Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. This, we're in this Word 365 season. I hope you've enjoyed reading the Bible as I and my family have. It's been a lot of fun. It's amazing to read about Adam and Eve all over again, Noah, Abraham, all these stories, they continue to give us wonderful revelation, personal revelation, you know, to discuss it, dig in. I don't know, you know, you've probably seen things you've never seen before. I know I have, and I've been reading the Bible for 30 some odd years, and it's fun. It's, it's the way it's meant to be, by the way, is that what I find is that God prepares certain revelation only for the certain seasons. It's like when we go to digging, God allows that treasure to be revealed at the exact time we need it. So I've enjoyed some lively discussion in our home, and I just love watching all of our children uh, you know, digging into the Bible during this time. So I encourage you to do that, okay? I want to encourage you, because I know you're going to be blessed. You know, one character that stands out to me in my recent reading is Lot, okay? Abraham and Lot, but Lot. He, he's, he's made reference to several times in Scripture, and, and the Bible tells us that he was a righteous man. There in 2 Peter chapter 2, tells us that. And however, when you examine Lot's life, you get the distinct impression that he seemed to get the bad end of the deal, didn't he? Time and time again. And so it makes you wonder why. Makes you wonder why, doesn't it? Lot is Abraham's nephew, and because Lot is fatherless, he goes with Abraham to settle in Canaan. He begins an exciting journey with Abraham. You can imagine that, that he's he, he does, his, his life as he knew it has come to an end, and he doesn't really know what to do. And his uncle Abraham says, well, why don't you come with us? And so he begins this wonderful journey. And, but in the journey, he seems to decrease the longer he lives. And I want you to catch that, because we'll come back to that concept. He begins with wonderful excitement. He begins with wonderful promise. But as he continues to live it, it's like intermingled in all this in his choices we find that he doesn't, he doesn't arrive at the kind of blessing that, let's say, Abraham does. And that's exactly what I want to do here today is, you know, you know in the end, he, 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 you know, I, want to, I want to contrast he, uh, Lot and Abraham because I think it's there that we can learn some exciting uh, truths, things that we can apply to our lives, things that we can walk away, just literally loaded up with wisdom that's going to help us in our journey, when, especially when we sit there and... Uh, you know, compare our own lives. So, I w- so what, what I'd like to do here is compare and contrast Abraham and Lot just for a bit. So let's just start there. Let's, let's talk about the two lives that are compared, and then we'll contrast them as we go along. First of all, Abraham, he embraces his father's dream. God speaks to his father and says, go west, young man, to take his family, to go west and to find a promised land, to find something better. Now, of course, they're in the Fertile Crescent, they're in a, t- a place that is uh, prospering, huge cities. It's where really Western, not Western civilization, but civilization began. And yet God calls him to go west, to go to a land that is not of his father's. It's definitely a God thing. So, but he only gets as far as Haran. And Abram, as he's known then, takes his father's vision. 
And what we find is that Abraham begins to develop, and you don't really know when it began, but you can, you can most definitely assume that it is something that he received from his father. It's something that he watched his dad do, talking to this God of the heavens. And so Abraham begins to develop this personal relationship, which is what makes Abram so unique to all other human beings, is that there is a mark of God in him. There's a hunger for God. And he's looking up into the heavens. He's not just doing things out of muscle memory. He's not just, you know, you know walking and doing things just because he's feeling led to do so, you know, by his own, you know, uh, animal instincts. No, he's being led by a heavenly father. He's being led by God, God himself. And so he begins to, he leaves where his father, as far as his father had gotten, and his father says, keep going. Go to the land that I will show you. And Lot goes with him. Okay, Lot is, goes along for the ride. And I want to point out that it's not Lot's vision. It's Abram's vision. And Lot just says, hey, you're going that way? I'm going with you. You seem successful. You seem like you know what you're doing. I'm heading with you. Nothing wrong with that. So Lot goes along for the ride, and he's following someone else's vision. Secondly, Abraham has his own relationship with God. We find that he transitions from what his, his dad's vision, his dad's purpose, his dad's call to go west, and he gets his own. He hears it himself from God. God says, Abram, I'm going to bless you. Head west. So he has it. He listens. He follows the voice. And as a result, and you can read about that in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and this is what, this is what God speaks to him to, to clarify exactly what Abram's vision is going to be. Listen to this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. That's a pretty big blessing, isn't it? Not only was that a wonderful blessing to Abraham, um, Abram, as, as again, as he's known then, but all his descendants, who we now know as the Israelites, as we know as the, in, in the land. This is where this comes from. This is the blessing that is on not only Abraham, but all who walk in the faith of Abraham. Of course, that's a whole different uh, sermon altogether. But bottom line is, we experience that blessing as well the moment we start following the God of Abraham, all right? So, but in contrast, there is no record of Lot ever listening to God. Nothing's ever written. No prayer meetings, no questions, no advice, no service, nothing. Where is Lot? Well, I mean, we can just assume, again, that he's just along for the ride. Okay, keeping on what we see, Abraham prospers as a result of following God. That every step he takes, God blesses him. It says, as you read, he gains sheep, he gains cattle, gold, silver, even servants. He can't have any children, and yet there are people that keep gathering around him. He still has spiritual sons and daughters. He is increasing without even trying, to be honest with you. 
And you look at that and you say, man, it just blows your mind. You think of the Abrahamic blessing. This is what it looks like. This is what they're referring to. That every step he takes in the direction that God is sending him, he's acquiring. He's increasing. Something to take note of. Absolutely. In contrast, Lot prospers too. But only as a result of what? Following Abraham. He gets blessed because he's hanging out with the blessed one. And you can't argue with this, can you? I mean, you can't look at this and say, yeah, you know, he, sh- he didn't deserve to be blessed. Well, sure he did. He's, 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 he's part of that blessing. All those, you know, who are part of you. And Lot, as long as he's with Abraham, he's getting blessed. It's probably the only part of what we see in the, in the aspect of his life is where we see true blessing coming. But later, we're going to see that Lot didn't really learn why he was being blessed. And so he couldn't reproduce it. When conflict comes, Abraham defers to Lot. So Abraham's been growing, lots of cattle, sheep, acquiring, growing into really a small city. (laughs) That's the impression you get. It's like a village moving like a nomadic village. Lot is increasing as well. Lot is being blessed, and he's growing to the point where they, they come into conflict. It's just like they're fighting over wells. They're fighting over uh, grazing land. There's this conflict that happens. And, of course, Father Abram, he steps in and just says, hey, look, there's there's no reason for us to be fighting. There's no reason. There shouldn't be any conflict. Lot, you're my nephew. I love you. I'm for you. You know? Your dad was my brother. He died an early death, and I I, I want to bless you. I want to be a part of your life. So he goes to him, and he says, which is interesting, Abram says, he could have just said, get lost, Okay? I'm tired of you hanging around with me. From the, from the get-go, you've been kind of like a scab on me, just kind of living off of me, taking my stuff. So just go. But he doesn't do that. You see an aspect of Abram's character that ob- is an obvious thing. That it's, it's what attracts God to him. He just says, Lot, come here. Look to the north, the west, east, south. I want you to look everywhere, and I want you to decide where you want to go. The land is yours. You choose. So now Abraham, he has done all this. He has made, I mean, this is all, all this blessing has come as a result of his choice, his vision, his obedience to God, and yet he defers to Lot to say, you take first choice. You go ahead. So Lot looks around, and his choice is based on sight, okay? And what does he choose? He chooses the lands of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, in this part of the story, we don't know what Sodom and Gomorrah is. I mean, we know right now we know what it is because you've read the Bible, right? But let's just try your, your best to imagine Lot standing out on this, this overlook. And he's looking around. And he says, okay, I see some mountains over there. And hmm, let's go over here. And, well, that looks pretty good. That's where we just came from. And I know the grazing land's good over there. Hmm, looks good over there too. But man, over there is green. It's a valley. It's beautiful. It's lush. And he said, he doesn't ask any questions like, well, what's down there? What happens down there? Who are the peoples down there? I just want to go there because it's green. Anybody ever heard of the greener pastures, right? Well, here we go. Let's go that way. I'm sorry for everybody sitting over there. I'm not, there is no. <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, man, don't be pointing at me over here, man. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, so Lot, makes, he makes a choice, Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And we got to say, ouch, because again, we know what Sodom and Gomorrah is. It, yes, it's green, it's prosperous looking, but under the green is ugly, ugly, rotting filth. It is one of the most immoral places on the planet. And you say, well, how do you know that? We're going to find out exactly why we know that. But I mean, you know the story, you've read it. It's ugly and filthy, and, and, and how bad is it? God has to destroy it. That's how bad it is. So, Abraham says, it's yours. Go. It's all yours. I don't know. Abraham could have stepped in and said, I don't think you want to make that choice. But he says, who knows? God is God. God can do anything. Maybe Lot will be an example. Maybe God, Lot will go there and, and, and change things. Later, Lot's choice begins to prove out as being a bad one. Is It's a, a, a location that is immediately attacked by several kings who come and take away all the people, take away all their stuff. It's a place of conflict. There is no safety surrounding. It is not a blessed land. And Lot gets caught up in that. All this stuff is stolen. All that wonderful stuff that he had acquired under Abraham. Thieves break in to steal. Stuff gets taken away. His family, his wife, his daughters that we, under, we, we learn, he has some daughters. They're all taken. Well, Abraham could have just sat there like any old religious Christian and said, well, you're getting what you deserve. You made the choice, you got to live with it. And Abraham could have just said, okay, let's turn the whole bunch of us, we're heading that way, nothing to see here. But he didn't. It shows you who Lot is and what is at the heart of his character. Abraham just says, i got to rescue Lot. He's my nephew. I can't stand by and see injustice taking place without doing something about it. So Abraham gathers up his fighting men. Apparently he's got a little army going on there. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. His own safety crew. Own, and, and these guys are well-trained in military tactic, which is interesting. Where did you get all of this? You know, it, it, sometimes you just look when people are getting blessed and just say, where did they get that stuff? Where did they get that thinking? Where did they get that wisdom? Where did they get that, that how, how did they accrue, you know, uh, decision-making processes like that? It's God. That's what it is. The hand of God was on Abraham. God blessed him. So, Abraham rescues Lot. And even after all is said and done, the kings say, hey, look, take the stuff. You rescued us, man. We'd, we'd be all be dead. You just go ahead and take everything. Abraham refuses. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. No, this was morally the right thing to do, and I'm not going to become wealthy on doing what is right. So you know what? No, this is your stuff. You keep your stuff. Until, of course, Melchizedek comes in and says, hey, look, at least, you know, and another king, it says, you know, at least take, you know, and that's what Abraham says. He finally just says, no, well, I'll tell you what, we'll take what we need for the journey, our food and anything else, the expenses. You can cover my expenses, we'll be good. That's a good old uh, uh, Abrahamic decision there. But there was a moral duty. Lot, in comparison, was the one had to be rescued. Lot starts off with power. Lot, Lot starts off with acquiring Stuff, blessing, but yet he gets himself into a place where he's completely locked in, that he's at the mercy of other kings. He is just caught up in the whirlwind of his choice. And so here you see Abraham. I mean, two separate people have, sep I mean, they both have a different path. They both have been blessed. Abraham moves. He's not even touched. Why don't the kings go after him? He's not 
terribly far away. He's obviously close enough to be able to somebody to raid him, but they don't. Yet Lot finds himself in a situation where he's caught up in circumstances that are out of his control. There's judgment on the places in which he has found himself. And so as a result, he's caught up in that judgment. He's caught up in the lack of favor in that place. It's interesting. So a lot has to be rescued. And again, this won't be the last time. Afterward, he is stuck in a town that he must try to defend, but is destined to be destroyed. Lot has to sit outside the gate of the city. He knows there's something messed up. The Bible tells us, and I've had to sort through this thing in my own mind, but the Bible tells us that Lot was a righteous man. You know the story. Angels come. Obviously, God is there. It's probably God and two angels. And they come, hey, shall we reveal to, 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 to Abraham what we're going to do? From now on, you're going to be called Abraham. He said, well, shall we reveal to him what's going to happen? Yeah, let's go ahead and tell him. We can trust him. We're going down there to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to destroy it all. And remember what Abraham does. Abraham says, look, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. And he works and starts off with, with, you know, 50 righteous people, works him all the way down to 10. 10 righteous people. If 10 righteous people could be found there, again, shows you the, the, the heart of Abraham. It shows you where he is, that he has a heart for souls. He could have just looked down there and said, well, look, if you can somehow, you know, there's this guy, there's this kid down there named Lot. If you could just grab him out of there and destroy everything else, that'd be cool. But Abraham doesn't do that. Abraham cries out for the city. It tells you a lot about his heart. It tells you that he is not just a religious man. He's not just a man who's wealthy and has a lot of goods. He, no, no, no. He has the heart of God in him to the point where he's wrestling with God over who? Souls. Good stuff, man. Real good stuff. Lot, on the other hand, is caught up all in it. Defenseless. And all he can do is sit outside the city knowing there's something deeply, deeply wrong with the choice that he made, with the cities that he's having to defend. So he's sitting outside the gate. That's where the angels find him. What's he doing that for? Because Lot feels like that is his call. It's the only thing he can do is sit outside that city. And when the angels come, he re- and, and it, it, just the two angels come, right? Because the Lord stays back with Abraham. And, and they walk in and say, yeah, we're here. They don't tell Abraham, I mean, a lot what's going on. They just walk in and say, we're on a mission to find 10 righteous people. Well, they got one, don't they? Sitting outside the city. And it's possible they're going to gain more. But obviously they run into some real super wickedness. You know the story? The city is well known and famous for sexual immorality, homosexuality, rampant, rampant in the community. I mean, you read the story, I mean, it, it's, it'll make your stomach turn even in our times and all the stuff we hear about. They're standing outside, hey, you know, send this guy out so that we can do, have our way with him. You're just going, what? And then Lot, of course, says, well, you can take my daughters instead, and you're just going, you know, this is really not going well. This is a bad story. But this is how far poor Lot had come. He'd begun in such a great place. So, Abraham pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah's salvation by getting God to agree not to destroy it if he could find those ten righteous people. And in the end, there was only what? One. Only one. 
He said, well, what about his wife? And well, you know what happened to his wife? She wasn't one of the righteous. She wanted to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. But I left my luggage. <laughs> Son-in-laws thought he was joking. Daughters, well, if you keep reading in the story, they didn't turn out to be, you know, daddy's little girls. That was a mess. The incest that took place there. So God had to destroy it because he couldn't even find 10. Poor old Lot. Lot finds himself alone in a situation that must only end in him getting out of town. Lot continues to live behind the curve of God's plan for his life, not ahead of it. And when you look at Abraham, Abraham just seems to be always ahead of the wave. He's, he's, he's a part of what is taking place, even to the point of God revealing his heart. He says, I'm going to go down and destroy. Should we tell Abraham about it? Yeah, let's tell him. We can trust Abraham. He has a heart. He connects to heaven. He knows what's going on. This is a very powerful story. What do we learn from all of this? What can we learn? Let's go through it very quickly. First of all, my friends, a, a life vision is key to success. When we look at Lot, we've got to understand that Lot did not have an, his own personal vision. He rode the wave. He rode the blessing of someone else's vision. It was good for a time, but in the, in the end, it did not prepare him for what was going to come. We must get that. We must get that. As you begin this new year, Okay, don't just take someone else's vision. Don't just get in there and wind stream behind someone else. You know, that's fine. That works until you've got to cut out and start getting into the wind yourself. Until that person finally just says, you know, I'm not going in the direction you're going anymore. God is calling me that way. And now you're, you're, you're dead into the wind. What are you going to do? And that happens to to Christians all the time is, is that we, we get a hold of someone else's vision, but we don't develop our own, and that is a dangerous place to be. Because Lot, in the end, understood that he was to be blessed, but he did not know why. And that is key. Or how. How did Lot, I mean, the whole time he's just going, man, I mean, you can imagine the dinner table with Abraham and Lot, and he's going, man, this was, man, we're doing really well. And Lot, by the way, you, you got another hundred more sheep coming your way. Really? Awesome. Never stopping to say, Abraham, how, how is this all happening? Share with me the secret. A vision, my friends. Where do you get one? You get it from God himself. Goes all the way back to Abraham listening and basically not going anywhere until God had a relationship with God enough to God came down and said, look, this is what I want to do with you. Are you hearing that? If you're not, guess what? You can get it. You can get it in a moment's notice. You can get it on your prayer. During this fast, you can get it. You can get this as you're driving home. You can get this as you're out in your run or your walk. You can get this as you're sitting there in your prayer closet and reading your Bible. You can get it anywhere, anytime for you. God's got a vision for you. So go get it. Secondly, what else can we learn? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ keeps us connected to our life vision. It's God's vision for me. See, Abraham is in this place where he understands why he's getting blessed. He's got this vision. Go west, young man. Go to the land that I will show you. Of course, Canaan land represents so many things, but 
but at, at, a, at a very base level, what Canaan represents is God's favor. Canaan, it, for you and I, Canaan just means I want to bless you. I want to increase you. I want to do much more in you, more than you can ever ask or imagine. Okay, that's Canaan for us. And of course, the whole story is, is just uh, allegory, if you will, or prophetic symbolism of each of the challenges that we have to go through to get there and then to stay there is what the whole narrative is of the children of Israel. It's just a story for us to glean from. Okay? So our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my friends, is what helps us stay in our personal Canaan land. It's, it's us having to understand the nuances and the challenges that we, the giants that might come, the barriers that might come, the, the moral questions, the, the times when we're like, should I go to Sodom and Gomorrah? Should I go down there? It looks green. It looks lush. Should that be where I go? Lot never asks God. He just makes a visceral animal choice. Looks good. Smells good. I smell the barbecue coming up from there. That's where I'm going. Unless you just, but, but what he should have done is just said, you know, Lot, would you give me a day or two on this? I really think I should fast and pray. Because you know what? I've been blessed. And, and a lot of it's come from you. So can we talk? I want to know, how did you get blessed? Because I'm getting ready to disconnect from you. I'm no, I, I need my own vision. I need to know what God is telling me to do. Because up to this point, all I've done is just follow you, Abraham. I've just gone where you have nomadically been led. What does God have for me? Jesus Christ is the ultimate source of your individual, your personal direction. That's God. Thirdly, Blessing follows the path of the righteous. Blessing follows the path of the righteous. We know this from Scripture. Success follows those that listen and follow God's ways. Pure and simple. If we have not gained that or understood that from the, our whole Bible reading, my friends, I'm your professor this morning. Go back and do your homework. All right? You're completely unprepared for the test today because if you don't understand this, then you didn't get it. And that is that God wants to bless us. That was God's heart from the beginning. That's what the whole story is about. is to show us that God wants us to prosper, to, for our soul to be alive, and to be, to, to be filled with joy and a sense of, of, of adventure. And be able to, 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 to have a, a faith and excitement about our marriage. To have a faith and excitement about our children's futures. To have a faith and excitement about whatever vocation that he gives to us. So we don't just see it as, you know, I've been working on the railroad, you know, all the live long day. No, that we, we're there, you know, doing something that is, is causing, you know, we're having to work, but at the same time, there's opportunity that God is doing something through it. You see? Okay, blessing follows the path. I'm impressed that Abraham doesn't even seem to work that hard at it. It's just like, man, he's like the Velcro man. Every time he just runs through stick, stuff sticks to him. You know, he even makes a bad choice and they throw money at him. You know, he calls his wife his sister. And you, even though that was half true, you know, Abraham, it's kind of like Abraham, come on, man. And Abimelech has to come to him and just say, why did you tell us that? You know, we were about ready to take the, into, make her my wife. And well, what are you doing? Here, here, take some money. Here, take some sheep and cattle. Abraham's going, oh, okay, thanks. And on he goes. Because God said he'd bless him. And when God says it, 
It's true. Even his mistakes turn out to be blessings. Everyone else just struggles to make, make ends meet. This is Lot's lot, by the way. What's Lot's lot? Diminishing. Starting out, favor and blessing. But every step that Lot takes, takes him further away from God. Takes further stuff from him. And I want you to think about this. This, this is a challenge. This is not to make you feel bad this morning, okay? Because being a Christian has nothing to do with sitting in your chair today and feeling bad about where you are. It's about what are you going to do with the truth. You do not have to stay where you are. Okay, in the Old Testament, people are like, yes, <laughs> tough luck, sorry. New Testament, God loves you with an everlasting love. He's gone before you. He's prepared the play, play. He's got so much blessing just ready to be poured out by, on you by the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is position yourself to get it. So Lot's lot is diminishing. And if you look at your past year and you just see yourself diminishing, then take note of that. Take note of that. God is trying to show you that that's not where he wants you to be. Now, I'm not talking about getting old. I mean, you know, I know all about that. Because our physical bodies do, do diminish. But where, where's our soul? Are we happy? Are we blessed? Are we experiencing the favor of God? Or have we experienced less of it? Are we more confused than we were a year ago? Are we, more, are we further away from where we know we need to be than we were a year ago? My friends, it's called being diminished. And that's lots, lot. See, blessing is not just money. God blesses the righteous with income, and he adds no trouble to it, Proverbs 10.22 says. You know, because I, I don't want to just talk about money and having lots of it, but sometimes the scripture makes it really clear it's better to have a little bit with joy and peace from God than to have one, the $1.6 billion Powerball. Now look, I don't know if you got caught up in there and you were buying those tickets, so I'm not going to make you raise your hand. but I'm going to get off the chart, you know. You're better off taking whatever. I don't even know how much those tickets cost. You're better off taking that and putting that in the plate, offering plate, because that will be a savings. That'll be an investment in the kingdom that's guaranteed. I mean, the other side, you got, what, one in a million in a chance? And it's just a chance. I'm serious now. I'm not just joking. Don't you dare get caught up in there, my friends. All right, I'm off of that now. But he adds no trouble to it. In other words, God is going to bless you. But sometimes people, they get a lot of wealth. But man, they just always caught. I just found out that recently, you know, I was talking to somebody and they said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I knew that they were very, very wealthy. And I wanted to talk to them about Meredith's ministry and some things like that. And they said, well, no, we can't do anything. All their money is just wrapped up in legal things. And I'm going, well, what good is that? You got all this money and you can't touch it? Ouch. They're not believers, by the way. They got lots, lot. Let's keep moving. A life without Christ is chaos, my friends. We learn that this, from this story. Abraham enjoys God's faithful, loving care. He's rescued from the hands of all of his enemies all around. Even when he makes a bad choice, God still comes in. And to the point where God shows up to Abimelech in a dream and says, you touch her, you die. That's God going before you. Don't, wouldn't that be nice? God speaking to your boss in a dream, you mess with David, you die. 
I'd love my, you know, that to happen, you know. And your boss walks up the next morning, they can't even look in the eye. Hey, look, you know, whatever you need, whatever you want, bro. I mean, it's like, you have your pick. You know, you can have, you want my office, you can have my office. I'd kind of like to just see that once, wouldn't you? But that's what Abraham enjoys. He's rescued from his hand, the hands of the enemy. God makes um, his promises real in his life, even when they seem impossible to accomplish. A baby in his old age, the vision completed. God speaks a vision to Abraham that in human understanding is like, no way. But that's likely what the vision of God is going to look like for you and I. It's not going to look like Sodom and Gomorrah. Surely I'll prosper there. The vision that God gives to Abraham is, look, you're going to, you're, you're in, your, um, your legacy is going to be people. And he's like, well, I don't have any kids. And I'm, I'm 90 years old. How's this going to happen? Ah, my friends, God will draw us into the impossible. God will draw us in. And it's in that place where it's made very, very clear that God is the one who has done that. And when Christ gets in the middle of your life, you just start to see it's like the fertilizer in the soil of your life and things just start to grow. Especially in the dead areas of your life that you thought nothing could ever grow. The lot of Lot is very limited. The next point. His lack of relationship with God snowballs into a life that is stuck in a morass of moral confusion it's not that Lot himself, I mean, every day Lot living in Sodom must have known that, gosh, did I ever make a wrong choice or what? Having to get up every single day in the midst of that to the point where he has to just live outside the gate. It's like, I can't even live in the city. And I'm going to be outside the gate. I wonder what he was doing out there. I bet I know. He was warning people. Hey, how you doing? You coming to Sodom? No, you don't want to come here. Mm-mm, don't come in here. Not a good city. Keep heading down. Can we go to Gomorrah? Don't even go there either. Just keep on going. Matter of fact, why don't you head up right out of the valley and head up, up, up in that direction. You're going to run into this guy named Abraham. Probably should hang out with him. Makes you wonder. Just my own thought. But I think that's what he was doing. Lot knows better. But where does he go? How can he escape? You and I sometimes feel that way, don't we? Sometimes we feel like that we're caught up in the morass of what our nation is. Sometimes we feel like we're in the middle of this. Now, this is not, you know, lots, lot in the sense of that something we chose. But it is not going to be our end. Our point is here this morning is that, folks, we can move into the faith of Abraham at any given time through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. At any given time, we can say, you know what? I'm not going to diminish anymore. That's not what Jesus died on the cross for me to have. I'm going to follow Christ. And as a result, I'm going to have that emotional energy, the room in my soul to help others. Because see, when you're in Lot's lot, all you can do is take care of your own, man. It's just like, look, I don't have time to think about the world. You're going to get ready to have this ATK conference in February. You know what? I'm not going to come because I can't worry about what's happening in, in these other nations. I'm barely keeping my own kids fed. I understand that. But that's not, that's Lot's lot, by the way. That's not what God wants you to have. God wants you to be so blessed that you can be like Abraham, who, that you fight for the souls 
of the people in other nations, that you have soul capacity because you are comfortable, you are at peace in your lot, that you know that you're blessed, that you're just like Abraham, just kind of moving from one point in your life to the next, and God's got it. And there is a tremendous sense of, of, of satisfaction and peace that comes from that, all purchased for you on the cross by Jesus Christ. To be free as Christ intended us to be. Lot is only reacting to his changing, changing circumstances. And that's, that, that, God does not want us to live there. And if you feel like you are trapped in that place, we're going to pray before we're done. And we'll, and we'll get us out of there. Because that's the beauty. We don't have to. I mean, that's the beauty of what Jesus did for us. And we can start wandering off that path. And we all do from time to time, whether it be in our mind or it be full choices that we make. At any given time, there's mercy, there's grace for God to gather us up and to get us right back on the path. It takes a little courage. It takes revelation. It takes faith. But it can be done. To experience a better life, than what he would have had in Sodom and Gomorrah. He could have and should have returned to Abraham. That's a part of the story that you never hear, but this is my injection. God comes and destroys the city. Abraham, excuse me, escape, escapes. Because God loves Lot. He's a righteous man is what the Bible tells us. He gets out in time, and the angel said, look, you need to run, you need to get out of here, we're going to destroy this whole thing. Where do I go? Let me go to that city. Well, and even then, God loved him so much, this was another city that was going to be destroyed. And he said, well, for the sake of Lot, we won't destroy that little village. It's like a little Weldon. No, 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 we won't, we won't destroy that. Because you, why? Because you're there, Lot. Lot stays there for a little bit of time and realizes, whoa, they kind of know who I am. They're thinking I'm the only survivor from Sodom. I better not hang around here. He gets out. Where does he end up? He ends up in a cave. Poor Lot. Wealthy. Bless Lot, he's in a cave. His wife turned to a pillar of salt. His two daughters, confused, wondering what they're going to do. They end up getting him drunk so, he could, and so that they could sleep with him. You're just like, Lot, how could it have come to this? How could it? What else could he have done? I'll tell you. He could have gotten those girls together and said, girls, we're going back to where we are were blessed. I'm not going to let my pride hold me back from going back to Abraham. Let's go, girls. Pack it up. Let's go. That's what they should have done. I mean, that's just David Schmaltz's version of, you know, of, of the story. But I'm telling you, I think that is wisdom. And you know, that would have taken a lot of courage. It would have taken, he would have had to, a, lot of, a tremendous amount of humility to go back to Abraham and say, I know I left with hundreds of animals. I know I left with servants and blessings, and I've got nothing. But can I come back, Uncle Abraham? And that's a choice we got to make today, too. If we find ourselves diminished in any way, look, I mean, you can let your pride you know, continue to hold you. You can continue to say, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. You know, stick to that scripture that's not in the a scripture, not even in the Bible. No, God helps those who humble themselves. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. Lot does not humble himself, so he raises up two tribes of people through his daughters, through incest, by the way, who end up becoming the consistent enemy of God's people. 
Mm. So how can we avoid Lot's lot to finish up? How can we? If Lot's lot seems familiar, you do not have to accept it as your lot. Today, if you hear his voice, you can choose the path of faith. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. It doesn't say he did anything. He just believed what God said about him. He said, I'm going to bless you. And God says the same thing to you and I today. He says, I sent my son to forgive your sins and to heal you. All you need to do is believe, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to pour out my favor upon you. My goal and my heart for you, this is God speaking, is for you to increase. But don't let that be based on anyone else's faith. Your own. Abraham wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes. But when it came down to listening and following God's ultimate purpose, Abraham's life path was directed by that still small voice that he listened to repeatedly. That's interesting. That whole relationship thing that Abraham was very New Testament-like. Very New Testament-like. Which is why Paul uses Abraham, and you know, even to this day, the whole book of Hebrews and the book of Romans, why Abraham was looked to as the father of righteousness and, more importantly, faith. Because his was based on a simple, voice-directed relationship. You know, today, we certainly need another opportunity. We're not nomads like Abraham was. We have church, we have friends. We have Christian family that can help us stay the course. God has provided all we need. We've got a Bible that we're free to read any time, full of wisdom and grace and and, and opportunity. I mean, what is in the Bible, folks? The Bible tells us itself that that's all we need if we'll just read it and we'll just pull from it the, the promises that God has for us. Got to get more word in us, folks. Got to get more word in us. So consider taking the next step. You know, if you're not involved in a small group, at the back tables, you'll notice we've got these, these sheets. We've got our groups listed. You say, well, how does that tie into life groups, Pastor David? Tremendously so. Because we need each other. I mean, I was just, and I wasn't even thinking of small groups as I was worshiping. God, you know, just, just a fresh revelation of how I am so enriched by connecting with another person. I, I get your revelation. I, I, I learn from you. What did God show you in the scripture this week? And you're going, wow, that was good. I didn't get that. I didn't see that at all. But now it's mine. And as we connect and we, we fellowship together, we share our lives together. You know, if you're not connected in these relationships in our small groups, that's why we make it a priority, okay? There's no, there's, there's, there's no big religious, religious leader that's telling us this is what we've got to do. It's not in a, a, a book that says this is how you do church. It's, it's not. It's what we see in, in, in very basically in the Bible saying this is how you do church. You meet from house to house, and you get together and you celebrate Jesus. And here we're giving you that chance in our small groups, men of action groups, women of action. We've got Bible study groups. We've got all kinds of opportunities for you to connect, to learn, to grow, to get out of Lot's lot. But remember, it's got to be intentional. There is a, a path to prosperity and joy and peace. There is for every one of us. But we've got to make that choice. Amen? Let's stand up this morning. If I could have our prayer teams please come at this time. We're going to pray. 
But let me just ask us to let's let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and take this this moment. Lord, we're in a season of seeking your face. And Lord, what what we might expect is just a slap on the back says, well, keep on doing what you're doing. But Lord, that's not reality. The truth is you love us so much that you're going to give us a very real, truthful evaluation. You're going to speak to us and say, okay, look, this is where you need to change. This is an area that's robbing you of joy. So, Lord, today, God, we don't want to accept Lot's lot. Lord, we don't want to diminish. God, we want to grow. We want to increase. Lord, we want to see ourselves blessed. Lord, we don't want to accept, Lord, the natural, quote-unquote, course of events. Lord, we want to live in the supernatural stream. We want to know that, God, you, you have us, that you love us, that you, that you, that there, enough of that favor that just says, I'm with you. I've got something special planned and prepared. Only listen, only follow my ways. So, Lord, our response here today is yes. Yes, we want it, God. Lord, we don't want to rely upon someone else's faith. We don't want to just say, your vision is my vision. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us, each one of us. Increase us. And as a result, that we'd have so much passion, Lord, that it overflows to have passion for our neighbors, for the nations. Lord, we'd get to where we need to be, the heart of Christ in us today, in every day in this coming year, Lord. So, Lord, there's no condemnation. Lord, there's simple choice met with mercy grace. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, forgive us of our sins. But, Lord, we do pray as you pray. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done in our life. That's the greatest vision and how that is personally played out in all of us now. In Jesus' name, amen.